Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Well, anyway, it's nice going to be great. I'm actually starting a brand new series tonight. Uh, during a church, uh, just, just this past Sunday, uh, as my dad was preaching, I, I, uh, God just spoke to me, and I got like three different series just in like five minutes. Sometimes uh, I like, it's really hard for me to figure out what to preach on, but then every now and then God just gives me a whole bunch all at once. So um, it's awesome when that happens. But um, I believe uh, he wants me to share on the fruit of the Spirit, and I've entitled this series The Supernatural Fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe uh, the Holy Spirit is involved in, in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. So we're going to be talking about the supernatural fruit of the Holy Spirit. And um, my dad just, um, just briefly touched on this, on this verse, um, Galatians 5, and 23. And he said something really great about how these nine um, fruit uh, can be broken up. So I'm going to read from Galatians 5, 22 and 23 and, and just um, see what my dad said about the three. But I, I feel like there's a whole series here. And uh, thankfully, my dad didn't go into a whole series right then because he was in the midst of, you know, it had been a series within a series within a series. And where's the real series at? It's like a dream within a dream within a dream. Where's the... You got to be careful when you get too deep preaching because, like, people lose track of... It's like that movie Inception where there's a dream within a dream within a dream and you don't know where the real reality is. I don't know where the real sermon is because we've gone on so many rabbit trails it's like a rabbit trail from a rabbit trail from a rabbit trail, and where's the real trail we're on? <laughs> Anyways, Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And these fruits, they aren't just normal. They're not just natural. They are supernatural. When God is involved, when, it, when it's his spirit influencing you, it's a supernatural thing. And um, all these fruit, they're a byproduct of what has happened in your spirit when you were made a new creation. So this, this is a message for new creation believers here. And I believe we have a lot of new creation believers here, people who know that the spirit of Christ is on the inside of them. So um, as a new creation, as a born-again believer, you actually have all of these deposited on the inside of you. You might not feel like you want to walk in love or feel like you have patience or feel like you're that gentle or feel like you have self-control, but this goes beyond your feelings. It goes beyond your emotions. It goes beyond your circumstance. It is what Jesus has placed on the inside of you. It's what Jesus has and what it's, it's in your spirit. It's who you really are in Christ. So my dad said this, and I love this, um, and how to break up these nine fruits. So the first Three fruits correlate to our relationship with God. Love, joy, and peace. That's where I'll start tonight. And these are huge things. I could, I could probably do an entire series on the love of God and the supernatural love of God. But um, these first three fruits correlate to our, our relationship with God. The next three fruits correlate to our relationship with others. Long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness. And the last three fruits correlate to your relationship with yourself. Faithfulness. I love faithfulness. I've actually wanted to preach on faithfulness for a long time. Um, gentleness and self-control. So when you believe on Jesus, something supernatural happens on the inside of you. I like what Peter writes. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And this is just powerful, this, this revelation here in Scripture about what happens on the inside of you when you believe on Jesus. 2 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. As his divine power, that's talking about the supernatural power of God. As his divine power has given to us, say all things. You don't lack anything that pertains to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. If Jesus had it, then we can have it. We can partake of it. If it was his nature, then we can have that nature as well. It was his nature to love. It was his nature to be joyful. It was his nature to have supernatural peace. These were all part of Jesus' nature, so they are now part of our nature because we are not of ourselves. We are of Christ. We are in Christ, and we are engrafted into him. So we take on his nature does that make sense? We don't have the nature of the world. We don't have the nature of sinful people. We don't, I, I do not confess that I'm a sinner because that is not who I am. That is not my nature. I have a new nature. I'm a new creation. We've been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. We have a new nature, and our new nature, our likeness, our life, it flows from what has been placed on the inside of us. And as a believer, you have something that has been placed on the inside of you. Jesus Christ himself, his spirit has been placed on the inside of you. He dwells in you. His life is in you. Amen. And that seed that is in your spirit, that's, that's been planted in you, it needs to take root. It's going to grow. It's going to spring forth. It's going to begin to bud. And it's going to begin to produce fruit. And it's just, a, it's, it's just the process. It's a natural thing. You might not even realize it's happening. But people around you can start seeing some of these things and realizing, and you might realize it yourself, that there's some fruit here that I didn't even know was here. I didn't even know I could love like this. I didn't even know I could be joyful like this. I didn't even know that I could be patient like this. It's just part of your nature in Christ. And you aren't normal. Say, I'm not normal. If Jesus is on the inside of you, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, you are not normal. Say, I'm not normal again. And say, I'm not going to try to be normal. You can have all this world. You can have everything that's considered normal by this world. But give me Jesus. Amen? There is something supernatural on the inside of you. You know, so for the normal person of the world who's outside of Christ, given whatever set of circumstances they might face, they might respond with hate. But for the believer, you'll realize with this new nature inside of you, given that same set of circumstances, you might, out of your nature, you're going to respond with something else. You're going to respond with love. For the believer who is in Christ, who knows who they are in Christ, given the same set of circumstances, a normal person might respond with depression. But a, a, a born-again, spirit-filled believer can actually respond out of their spirit with joy. And some people might think, why are you laughing at a time like this? 
Why are you joyful at a time like this? That is so not normal. That is so inappropriate. I don't know what's wrong with you. It's not what's wrong with me. It's what's right with me. You know, a normal person might respond with anxiety. A, a believer out of their, their in Christ nature can respond with peace. The natural response for some people may be impatience, but the response, the, the nature that comes out of a believer can be long-suffering. The, the response of a normal person given certain, certain circumstances could be cruel, cruelty, but for a believer it can be kindness. It might be natural for people to just given a certain environment, a certain upbringing, that they're just bad, they're just rotten apples. But for a believer, you, you're actually, there's just fruit of goodness. Some people might naturally just be flaky. Man, flakiness kind of irks me because that's the opposite of this amazing fruit of the Spirit called faithfulness. Some people may be abrasive, but for an in-Christ believer, your fruit is going to be gentleness. For the world, their fruit might be self-indulgence. You see that rotten, stinking flute on display big time. Just, just, just indulge yourself. But for a believer, self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? And you're going to produce this fruit because that the life that has been placed on the inside of you. And, um, you know, I, I um, actually studied all of Galatians today, and I love Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That is the secret sauce. That is the secret verse of all of this. It's not you trying to do it. It is because Jesus Christ lives in you. His life has been placed in you. That, that tree of life, that river of life. Now, I actually picture the, the tree of life that, that's, that John saw in the Revelation Revelation 22, verse 1 and 2. I, I think this is actually a good picture of the fruit of the Spirit. Revelation 22, verse 1 and 2. John said, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits. One tree, but it was producing twelve different types of fruit, but it was all flowing from the same tree of life. You know, these fruits of the Spirit, these nine fruits of the Spirit, they're all flowing from the same tree of life. They're all flowing from the branch of righteousness that has been placed on the inside of us. Jesus Christ. And from that tree of life, it says there were 12 fruits, each yielding fruit, each yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I love that, that each fruit, each tree, it yielded its fruit every month. Man, how awesome is that? Keeps yielding fruit every month. So let's talk about love tonight. And, and this, uh, I could spend a long time preaching about this and um, what God has shown me about this, but this is super important. And I believe this is so important because all fruit stems from knowing that God loves you. Man, I, I've just been just in my own heart's desire lately, just believing and, and just crying out to God for more, for just, just more, more power, more everything in, in my life, more of him, more. And he keeps taking me back to, to his love for me. If you want to go from grace to grace, from glory to glory, to, to go to, to, to operating in more of his power, more of his will for your life, I, I believe that he's going to keep bringing you back 
to that revelation, and hopefully every one of you have had that revelation, that, that knowledge that God loves me, and nothing can ever change that. If you don't have that established in your heart, really know that deep within yourself, um, it's, it's hard to really grow beyond that. It all comes back to that. God loves me because God is love. Amen? 1 John 4. Let's look at, go ahead and turn there with me. 1 John 4. We'll start in verse 7. First John 4, starting in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. I, man, this is so awesome. John had this major revelation that God loved him. I'm the one whom Jesus loves. I am the, I'm the beloved disciple. His, his identity wasn't in, I'm the one who loves Jesus the most. A lot of people try to get competitive like that. I'm the one who loves God the most. I'm the one who does the most. I'm the one who gives the most. I'm the one who, who serves the most. I'm the... But John, John had it right. I'm the one that he loves. And he's saying, if, if, if you really understand that, it's going to be easy to love other people because of what's inside. You are born of God. And God is love. If you are born of him, God is love. It's his nature to love. And if that nature is in you, if that branch of righteousness, if Jesus is on the inside of you, if you are born again, born in him, it's going to happen. That's the first fruit. That, that is the main thing that is going to be on display. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And if you really know God, you're going to know that he loves you. If someone says they, they know God, but they don't really know that God loves them, they don't know God. They just know about God. To really know God means to, to understand that he loves you. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested. So he's saying you could see the fruit of it. You could eat, eat it. You could taste it. You could taste and see that the Lord is... Lord is good. You could experience his love. And this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. We know that God's love because he sent us his very best. He sent us Jesus and not only that, we can now live through him. Verse 10, and this is love, not that we loved God. I love that. He's saying it's not, it's not a competition to see who can love God the most, who can do the most, who can give the most, who can you know, give, give God all the five love languages that they can give him. No, it's this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. It's all about what has been deposited inside of you. His spirit is on the inside of us. I love this. In this, the love of God was manifested. It was displayed. It was proven. It was demonstrated through Jesus. If you look at the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, everything about Jesus just shows that God loves us and that he wants to change our life. He wants to live his life through us. 
This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. True love is God's kind of love. You cannot out-love God. He's always going to love you more. He's always going to love you more. Amen? I love something that, a phrase that Paul uses in Ephesians. You can turn here with me if you'd like. Ephesians 3, we'll start in verse 14. But it says to keep being rooted and grounded in love. And man, when, when I'm praying, when it, man, God just constantly brings me back to being rooted and grounded in his love for me. Keep being rooted and grounded in love. I just, I just um, planted a new tree a couple weeks ago, and I, I, got a, I was happy I, I got a pretty big tree for a good deal. It was like 15 foot tall, and um, had a big root ball, and I, as I planted it, Right as I got it in the ground and started putting dirt around it, I, like the wind started picking up and started blowing the thing over. Because it wasn't rooted, it wasn't grounded, it, it, uh, and because it's so tall and top-heavy, I knew that thing was going to blow over. And it was only like 20-mile-per-hour winds. And I know, for whatever reason, we get 100-mile-per-hour winds here in Colorado on occasion. So I, I went and got some you know, stakes and, and staked that thing in there and, and um, you know, shook it around and make sure that thing's not going to blow over. Man, if, if you're not rooted and grounded in God's love for you, something, you can be shaken, you can be, you can be blown over pretty easily. So keep being rooted and grounded in love. Ephesians 3 verse 14, for this reason, I mean, I, I love this prayer. Man, this is a powerful prayer. Ephesians 3 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. It's about what's happening on the inside of you, in your inner man, in your spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I believe that Paul had to be rooted and grounded in love. He had to keep coming back to that place. I believe that he faced similar emotions that we faced. He was probably upset. He was probably, you know, looked back at his before Jesus kind of life and had regrets and sorrow and was tempted to be depressed and to give up and to not do what God had called him to do. But I believe he kept having to go back to, to his, to, to being rooted and grounded in love and just God just reminding him, Paul, I love you. I love you. Be rooted and grounded in love, and from this you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, if you want to be filled with all the fullness of God, and just go into deeper things with God, it all comes back to Understand that he loves you. It always comes back to being rooted and grounded in that. You can't grow beyond that. You can't grow beyond your relationship with God. Heather and I was ta were talking about this earlier, that, that you know, there are going to be people who get to heaven, and Jesus said, you know, they said, I, look at what I've done. I've done a lot of things. I, I, I built... A lot of ministries, I've built a lot of churches. Look at all these great things I've done. And Jesus might just say, I've never known you. How sad would that be to, to do all these things and to have missed the main point? 
which is, hey, just, just realize that I love you and I want to know you. Jesus, Jesus probably was trying to, and there are going to be people like that. It passes knowledge, and from there you can be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Man, all, all of that just goes back to, to love. To him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man, how are we strengthened? Whenever you feel weak, whenever you feel down, whenever you need to be strengthened, you are strengthened in the inner man. That's how God strengthens you, with, with might through his spirit in the inner man. When Jesus dwells in your heart, when you know that beyond anything else, that you'll be rooted and grounded in love. Man, and I, I believe, man, if you're like me and just want to keep growing, keep going from grace to grace, from glory to glory, keep growing in the, the power of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God, it all comes back to keep going back to the love of God. I was thinking about what Jesus said in Revelation to the church at Ephesus. You've done all these great things, but you've, I have something against you. you, you you've, you've, you've left the very first place. You've left your first love. I don't, I don't want to turn into a, that type of person, that type of church, where I, I'm, I'm just a, a doer and I, I've missed the main point, which is a relationship with God. And man, uh, I, I think love is mentioned as the first fruit of the Spirit for a, a very significant reason, because the other fruit aren't really going to happen until this first fruit happens. It's like if, if people are experiencing a crop failure in these other fruits, they're just being very, just, just people who are very depressed and anxious and bitter and jealous and contentious and impatient, unkind. It probably all stems from, they, they really need to have a revelation that God loves them. When I see people go off track, just get, get off track with their, their walk with the Lord. They, they stop coming to church. They stop reading their Bible. They just go into lukewarm mode. Man, they, they need to, to rewind and go back to God really loves you. A lot, a lot of crop failure in, in people's fruit, you know, that they, they aren't really bearing fruit as Christians. It, it goes back to that very first point. And um, I love, I love um, 1 Corinthians 13. Just, just um, if you look at 1 Corinthians 13 and see this definition of love, of this supernatural love, 1 Corinthians 13, um, verse 4, it says, love suffers long, it's kind, it does not envy. You can just see all the other fruit wrapped up in what love is. It all starts here. Love suffers long, it's kind, it does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Man, I love that. I remember, um, I, I think I was a junior in college, and I was doing uh, my first big recital. As a music major, you have to, you usually don't get to do a a big recital, a big solo performance until your you know, junior year, sometimes senior year. But I remember it was my junior year recital, and um, 
I was excited. I had a captive audience, and actually, right before my last song, I preached a message there at Carnegie Mellon University to, to all my friends and professors and whoever came, and um, they couldn't run away because that's poor concert classical music etiquette. And I preached a message on 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, on God's love. And I, I kept it brief, just a few minutes, and um, I had a friend that came up after me, after my performance, and he was just crying. And um, he was a, a homosexual. He was a bassoon player, and he just said, I've never, ever heard that before, that God loved me. I've never heard what true love is. And he was just in tears. Just, he, I, I believe that he experienced God's love for him. And he just said he, he never, never knew that. And um, man, that, that, is, that is the first revelation that people need to get, is that God loves them. And that there is so much power in that. And, and us as, as believers, as you know, some of you have been believing God, trusting God, living the, the, the faith life for decades upon decades, but you always have to go back to love. And if you hear a message, you know, oh, this preacher is preaching on love again. Oh, I've heard a message on love a hundred times. Well, you need to hear it again. You need to keep coming back to that. And there's a reason why it's, it's mentioned so much in Scripture, and that is the first fruit of the Spirit name. You need to keep coming back to it. Amen? I want to talk about joy now, supernatural joy. And this is good. God, God showed me some really cool things about joy today, so I'm excited to talk a little bit about joy. And this is supernatural joy. The world cannot give you this kind of joy. It does not exist in the world. Maybe, you have, maybe some of you have tried to find joy in the world, but you can have all the world. You can have all that kind of joy that comes from the world because I've got something that the, that the world cannot give. I got a love that the world can't give. I got a joy that the world can't give. If the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. I love that. Jesus wants to give you supernatural joy. And I love this fruit of the Spirit because in Scripture, joy is often described as an anointing oil, an oil of joy. And the best oil... I'm talking to all the chefs out there tonight. The best oils. My wife is a good cook. She's from the South. She knows about cooking with oil. She knows all the different oils, all the different ways you can fry things. <laughs> and if you, go, if you go try to get the best kind of oil, the healthiest, the richest, the, the most expensive. Yeah, Ada, Ada was eating a stick of butter today. She was helping her mama cook today. Ada, Ada baked some, uh, or Heather, she sent me some pictures. She, she baked some uh, pumpkin bread. How many did you make? Two or three? Just two. And she had them sitting in the middle of our high counter on the kitchen island. And Ada somehow climbed up on that counter and just stuck her hand right in the middle and tasted from both. You know, I got to taste both of these loaves of pumpkin bread. So we have, you know... And, and um, Heather was in the dining room working on church stuff. Heather, Heather does all of our social media things. She was working in the dining room and saw Ada, and Ada had all these crumbs all over her face and was wondering what had happened. So Ada climbed up there, got in the middle of the, you know, the island and climbed back down and was very happy. And later she found a stick of butter and ate half a stick of butter today as well. The best oil... 
And I'm going to define the best oil as being the healthiest, the richest, the tastiest, and usually the most expensive. It's usually oil that comes from fruit that grows from trees. All, I'm thinking of olive oil. All of our, olives are actually tiny fruit that grow from olive trees. Uh, and also avocado oil, which is also a fruit that grows from trees. And I think, I think there's something about, about these types of fruits that produce the oil that's grown from a tree, something that has very deep roots and, and very large branches that produces healthy oils. And, and uh, you know, like olive oil is often found in the Mediterranean diet. And, and um, if you know anything about the Mediterranean diet, you know, for health nuts out there, people live the longest to eat the Mediterranean diet. You know, people in Italy, they, they eat all the carbs they want, they, and they just, just cook everything with a lot of olive oil. And um, avocado oil is also very um, healthy. Um, but it, uh, this type of oil, it, um, it's, from, it's from a fruit. And the fruit of joy produces an oil. Joy is described as having an oil, an anointing oil that can be poured out upon you. And, um, Isaiah the prophet um, prophesied this about Jesus in Isaiah 61. And Jesus preached this in his very first sermon in Nazareth, he said in um, Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The anointing oil. He has anointed me to preach good things to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy. Say the oil. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The, 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 the oil of joy, the oil of joy is health to every single aspect of who you are. Joy brings health to your body. Joy brings health to your soul, to your mind, to your emotions. Joy brings health to, to just every part of you. That, that supernatural joy, it is like marrow, like fatness for your bones. It actually produces longevity. Man, God's been speaking to me a lot, not just about health, in walking in divine health, but about longevity and just spiritual secrets, spiritual keys to longevity. But the oil of joy is a secret to longevity, the supernatural oil of joy. It needs to be part of your diet. You will live longer. You will live healthier. You will enjoy life more. You can, you can, Man, it, it, it produces longevity, adds richness and flavor to everyday life. And some of you need to find that oil, that supernatural oil, oil of joy that comes from Jesus. And it often comes with the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, man, we, we need the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the, the move of the Holy Spirit now more than ever before. You need something better than just Crisco in your life. Too many churches are just offering Crisco. My mom has a secret ingredient, and it's actually a very, her, her, her chocolate chip cookies are phenomenal, but she uses butter-flavored Crisco. 
don't think it even has real butter in it. But there's, there's too many Crisco churches out there today. There's too many, I can't believe it's not butter churches. This is not a, I can't believe it's not butter kind of church. Now, I, I, I'm sorry to say, if you're looking for like a low calorie, low, you know, substitute, you know, lukewarm church, this is not an I can't believe it's not butter church, this is, because this is not the time for Crisco Church. Now is not the time for diet, zero calorie, zero sugar, zero taste church. When I walk into these kind of places, these Crisco churches, I, I'm like, Jesus, I want to vomit. <laughs> you are not normal. You are not created to be bland. You are not to, created to, to... You can have all this world. Why would I want to be like the world? Why would I want to attract the world? I am not... I am not Crisco. <laughs> I'm not a Diet Coke. I'm like, I'm like the real cane sugar, like the stuff you can only get across the border. Now put, that, put the real vanilla in there. Give me, give me a glass. But I, don't, I don't want a can. I, don't, I want the real thing here. I want to, I if someone shakes me, I want to pop. <laughs> Some people are just so flat. It doesn't matter who's preaching. It doesn't matter who's shaking. It doesn't matter if it's the Holy Spirit just shaking you. You're just going to... Nothing. Now is the time for the church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now is the time for the church to stand out from the world as the truth, as the shining light. Now is the time for the church to have the anointing of joy, that supernatural joy. I love, I love this prophecy of Jesus found in Psalm 45, verse 7. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil that comes from this fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the supernatural fruit of the Spirit of joy. You have, you have been anointed with the oil of gladness, the oil of joy, more. Say more. More, more than your companions. <laughs> Jesus has more joy than anyone else. And because he has more joy, he can give you more. There is always more joy to give. You are not going to run out of joy. Because if Jesus is on the inside of you, he will never run out of that anointing Oil. And, and I have this to say too, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is always accompanied by joy. People who are offended by the Holy Spirit are often offended by joy. There have been people who quit this church because they, they saw an outpouring of joy and it offended them. And there's a reason why it offends them. Because it's a religious spirit that is on the inside of them. A religious spirit is often offended by joy. And it's because a religious spirit does not come from the Holy Spirit. A religious spirit comes from the devil. If joy offends you, it's because you're being influenced by something other than the Holy Spirit. Acts 13. 
You can turn there if you'd like with me. Acts 13, starting in verse 49. It says, The word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up. And that, that religious spirit. It was present then, it's still present today. It's very much present amongst, amongst Crisco churches. Crisco Christians. You better get that real butter out of here. We're the, the vegetable oil people here, whatever. I don't even know how you make oil from vegetables, but... The, the, the Jews stirred up the devout and the prominent women and the chief men of the city. They, they went after the, the, the who's who, the heavy hitters, and, and stirred up that religious spirit. And from that, they raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their religion. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. What to do if you're feeling depressed? A great thing to do if you are feeling depressed. Pray in tongues. That is a scriptural prescription for depression. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues until you don't feel depressed. For some of you might be, well, how long should I pray in tongues for? Until you don't feel depressed. Just be like Forrest Gump and just start running. Just start praying in tongues. <laughs> Some of you, it might, you might be praying in tongues for three months straight. And then, and then you'll just, and then you'll get to the one ocean. You'll turn around and run to the next. And I'm just going to pray in tongues for another three months. Peace. Last point tonight, Peace. Anxiety is from the devil. Anxiety is straight from the pit of hell. He wants you to worry things into existence. The devil loves self-fulfilled worry prophecies. My dad, I, I didn't know this. It was my great-grandmother, but I guess for years and years and years, she worried, worried, worried about cancer until she got cancer. Worried into, you, you can worry things into your reality. Just, just last week, I, I um, sold a nice watch to a customer for like $2,000, and this guy, from, from the, right after I dropped it off, I took a picture of the package, you know, text, right after I dropped it off, he just started worrying. And he's like calling me nonstop and texting me, and I just hate this because I know this guy's going to be problematic. If some of you are in sales or in business, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, wish I hadn't even done business with this guy. And he's just calling me, texting me, and I just said, don't, you know, and like, did you have it, you know, and he was like trying to nickel and dime me and wanted it overnight, so I shipped it overnight, but then after I dropped it off, he's like, well, did you insure it? Because I'm, I'm so worried something's going to happen. I said, well, you didn't pay for insurance, but if something were to happen, I guess I'll, I'll take care of it. I'm a good guy, but don't worry. It's going to be fine. I've shipped thousands of these things, and I've never had one get broken or tampered with or stolen. I have, you know, and I paid for overnight shipping, but the next day, it didn't come. 
Call me. Text me. I'm so worried. Something's going on. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I said, don't freak out. Like it's, it'll be there probably the next day. And the next day it got there and he opened it up and looked inside and he said, the watch is missing. Freaked out. Called me. Text me. You know, trying to just, just flipping out. And I, I talked to him and I, I, he sounded like he wasn't lying. So I, I just sent him the $2,000 back. And then he saw another watch that I liked, that, that I had that he liked. And I said, well, I'll, I'll sell this to you. So he sent me another $2,000 for another watch. And I, I, you know, dropped this one off with a different shipping company. And uh, right after I dropped that one off, he, he looked at the packaging of the first one and, and he realized, oh, it was in there. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't open up all the cases that it was in. And, but he was so worried just from the get-go that, that something was going to happen. That's what the devil does. He wants you to worry things into your reality. He wants to fulfill those self-fulfilled worry prophecies. Fruit of peace, it comes from your relationship with God. God is always going to point you back to a, a position of peace. God is not going to point you to a position of worry, a position of anxiety. Anxiety is straight from the pit of hell. I think that's why so many times in Scripture, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Many times, as you grow with him, as you, you, you are ingrained in him, in, in his nature, just rooted and grounded in who God is, you're going to have supernatural peace. That's why Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to you. So you can have needs. You can have things that you're going through. But the way you pray, it's going to be different. You're not going to be praying just from a position of panic. You're going to be praying from a position of peace, a position of, of thanksgiving. I just, I just counseled a guy recently, and I, I told him. He was just talking about what he's dealing with. And I, I, I told him, you are not allowed to pray. Well, this, this is what I told him. And I actually prayed before I even met with him. And God told me what to tell him before I even met with him and heard of, of, of his different things he was dealing with. But, but God told me to tell him he's only to pray in tongues and the only thing in English that can come out of his mouth during prayer is thanksgiving. Because basically he, he, and I told him that, for, for, for one month, when you pray, you can only pray in tongues, and if you pray in English, it has to be thanksgiving. That's it. If you're a very anxious person, do that. For a month, if, if you feel like you are just a very anxious person, when you pray, only pray in tongues or pray with thanksgiving. If you haven't received your prayer language of tongues, you can do that tonight or you can just not receive it and just only thank God for a month and nothing else comes out of your mouth towards God. <laughs> Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It surpasses all understanding because it's supernatural. 
It, you, you, it, it goes beyond your understanding. It goes beyond your emotions. It goes beyond your intellect. It goes beyond all of that because it's deep within, in, on the inside of you. It's going to actually guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That, that fruit of the Spirit that is much deeper than your soul. It's deep down in your spirit. It will actually guard your soul, guard your hearts and your minds. Many times I've prayed and I heard God just speak something simple to me. Don't worry about it. I remember years ago I was playing piccolo at a, at a concert in Pittsburgh. When I was going to Carnegie Mellon, I played um, at the, the, uh, the Carnegie Music Hall in Pittsburgh. And it's not nearly as good as Carnegie Hall in New York City. Carnegie Music Hall, I think it was built before Carnegie Hall in New York, but Carnegie Music Hall has terrible acoustics. The back wall has like this curved thing, and if, if you know the science of acoustics, if there's a curve, it like carries all the sound from the back. So like everything in the back is amplified through that curve. So um, I was playing piccolo on, um, I think it was Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony. And the piccolo is a very loud, very shrill instrument. And um, all, the, all the brass instruments were behind me. And um, in practice, it wasn't so loud. But um, you know, in, in the concert, adrenaline hits everyone. Everyone plays like three times louder than they had practiced. And there's like cymbals and bass drums. And it's all right behind me. And it's just like amplified times 10. And um, my, my ear rang loudly for like three months. And I, I, I had probably, I'm not an ear doctor, but I probably had some damage that had occurred. And I was a little worried about it. And I couldn't even fall asleep because my ear rang so loud. I had a, my wife would like to hear this because she likes to sleep with a fan. I hate sleeping with a fan on. We were actually just arguing about this this morning. So my mouth was all dried out because she wanted to have the fan on. And, <laughs> And she said, well, I'm going to get some, there's mouth tape that can tape your mouth so you can sleep. <laughs> and she wants to buy me some mouth tape, so I'm not, because I'm a, I'm a mouth breather at night. And I just said, well, well she has to have the fan on. And, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even sleep without, like, a really loud fan on because just the, the but, but God healed my ear. It's completely healed, but, but God... God just spoke to me and said, don't worry about it. That, that was a great you know, word of the Lord for me was don't worry about it. I think sometimes God's speaking to you, don't worry about it. And that's actually one of the best and most consistent responses I get from God when I go to him. I've seen people in this church supernaturally healed of anxiety, supernaturally healed of panic attacks. People who are on medication for anxiety just supernaturally healed. And it just flows, it's, not na it's, it's naturally out of the spirit. It's supernatural. It's just naturally supernatural. That's what Mario says, right? It's just naturally supernatural. Just Mario goes around just getting people born again. It's just naturally supernatural. At the same time Jesus paid for your sins, he paid for your body to be healed of sickness and disease. And also at the same time Jesus paid for your sins, he paid for your mind. He paid for your soul. He paid for you to have supernatural peace. So this is my conclusion tonight. I know that I know that I know that God loves me. 
I know that I have everything I need to do, everything God has called me to do. I have the fruit of the Spirit because I am a child of God. I know that I am filled with His love, I am filled with His joy, and I am filled with His peace. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.